Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I just learned about a fantastic new, about-to-be-built or rebuilt dog rescue called Rescue Dogs Rock NYC. And Jackie O'Sullivan is here to talk about what she and her co-founder, Stacy Silverstein, have been working on for two or three years to find a place they could call their own. Jackie, congratulations on having found the property that you're going to turn into a jewel of a dog rescue. It, it seems like it would be a very difficult task to find a property that would be legal or zoned to have a bunch of dogs, but also be in a place where you could have volunteers and staff. I can only imagine what a challenge this has been. So congratulations on finding the property in Ronkonkoma, which is a place that I think anyone who's taken the train out to Long Island, there's something so funny about the the train conductor saying Ronkonkoma. And so there you are in this extraordinary sounding place. How did how did the journey that you two have been on bring you to that part of Suffolk County? Uh, we spent a lot of time looking for a facility and buying an existing boarding facility saved us the trouble of worrying about zoning um, and uh, permits and everything. And right. we also wanted to buy a place that had indoor outdoor kennels rather than just having the dogs, you know, stuck inside all the time. And so you, was it the fact that you were allowed to have them out there? Because I would think I've seen pictures on your website of what the existing property looks like. And like so many of 
the depressing places that have gone out of business in life, not just dog facilities. It looks um, like pretty shabby. So it there must be a value to you in taking that as your foundation, if you will. On some ways, it's like restoring an old house. Isn't it easier to tear it down and start over? But there, I'm sure you have a reason for doing this. Right. Well, one of the main reasons was tearing it down and starting over was double the cost wow. of completely redoing it. Wow. Yes. And also, uh, it sits on half an acre, so it gives us a lot of outdoor space aside from just the indoor-outdoor kennels. It, on so, Long Island, uh, to people that aren't familiar, that's a lot of property because yes, every it inch it counts. And you looked Absolutely. in other states. You didn't just look in New York State or on Long Island. You looked far and wide. Exactly. We looked in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Jersey, and wow. upstate New York. Wow. So this labor of love had to be done by two busy women with a life, so to speak. So how hard was it for the both of you to get your, I can barely get on a Zoom call with somebody else, to get, uh, you know, to get yourself organized, to take a whole day, to do the travel and look at all the, the underlying issues. Was it, was that the hardest part? I think the hardest part was actually, um, you know, determining places that could possibly work, you know, that were worth the trip to go visit. Right. And it was important to us that it would be no more than, say, 90 minutes from New York City, where we both live, because we're going to have to be able to get out there and we want to be able to have adoption events and, right. you know, different and see the dogs. So it couldn't be too far away from, you know, where we both live. So let's talk about the daunting task of starting your own rescue with a whole physical facility that you had to raise the money to buy. And you've been raising the money with wonderful fundraisers and lots of loving people in New York City supporting you to restore it or, or elevate it to a really nice facility. Why is that, I mean, I'm asking this as a rhetorical question, but I think it's important that people hear it because so many people love rescuing dogs, like to be fosters, like to, uh, they don't, aren't necessarily on the staff somewhere, but they've done a lot of volunteering. But there's often that moment where they say, hey, I could, I could invent a better mousetrap. I could do this better. What was that moment for both of you? Because I imagine you've both been involved in dog rescue individually and maybe together for a long time. What was the tip? We have. <laughs> I, I had a feeling because it has to be a shared passion to, to keep, Absolutely. To keep Absolutely. a friendship going rather than destroy it. So what was, right. it, what was it that you said, okay, we're going to devote, I don't know, pick a number, a decade of our lives to making this dream come true and then sustain it? What was wrong, if you will, with the other places or what was lacking or what did you, were you sure you could do better? Well, this place worked because, like I said, it's on half an acre of land, and Suffolk County was a good location for both of us, and it just so happened that we knew they were not giving any more permits out for oh. indoor-outdoor dog kennels. So we, we did view a couple places in Suffolk County. I mean, there aren't that many dog kennels for sale to begin with, well, let alone, you know, that would work for us. So... We originally found this place, and the owner didn't want to sell, and so we kind of forgot about it and viewed other places, and then about six months later, the realtor came back to us and said that the owner would sell. 
So we went back, and it just so happened to work out for us that, um, you know, the, the price we could get financing and the location would be good. We have a lot of volunteers and fosters on Long Island. Nice. And we know we're going to need a lot of support. So yes. that that worked for us. And it just sort of all came together. I mean, it, it's definitely been a labor of love. And with COVID and supply shortages, it's taken much, much longer than we ever thought it would to come together. Good point. Um, but yeah. we were out there last week, and it finally looks like we'll be ready to open, fingers crossed, in the fall. Actually open your doors. Turn this kind of yes. d- deserted place into your dream and open the doors yes. to have dogs living there, people coming there to adopt. Absolutely. So back to my question, though. What what did you feel you and Stacy Silverstein could do differently and better that was worthy well, of this time, energy, and money on your part? You know, we, we've been a foster-based rescue for, I mean, we started this rescue in 2015. We were another with another rescue for three years before that. And before that, we were both volunteers at the Manhattan uh, Shelter, the Animal Care and right. Control. Well, anyone so could do just, better than it was that, a lo- right? Right, exactly. So it was sort of a logical next step after being in, you know, foster-based rescue for so long. We're constantly getting questions. Do you have a place I can come meet the dogs? I really want to come and bring my dog or my kids and interact with the dog. That's very important to us. And as a foster-based rescue, we have fosters all over. It just wasn't feasible. We weren't really able to do that. I mean, it occasionally works out if a foster lives nearby interested parties, but oftentimes it doesn't. So we knew having our own facility would be kind of the next level for us, kind of elevate the rescue to a, you know, to a more professional, more, you know, allow us to save more dogs. Right. And and have more accessibility because the thing about foster-based rescues, which are incredible, they they blow my mind that there's that organization of you finding people willing to foster and then supporting them and maintaining them and helping them to be able to show the dogs and put the pictures online and and have meet and greets. I mean, it's really complicated, but it is happening behind closed doors. So it's not as visible to the public. It's not as accessible. It might feel, I don't know, maybe possibly more intimidating. How many dogs do you then having a physical place that people can just come, you know, with or without an appointment, depending on how strict you're you're going to be about that? How many dogs are you going to be able to accommodate? Well, when we first opened the place, um, it it had stacked kennels, which meant they were two levels high, which made it the kennels were smaller and darker. So we took out those. So it had 44 kennels. It now is going to have 22 because we just wanted bigger, brighter, nice. you know, nicer kennels while the dogs are there. And then after that is done, we do plan to bring in, um, they have these sort of prefab ready-made kennels, like yes. another block of 10. So we, really? we plan to have probably between 30 and 35 total when we're done because we have the space. Wow. But this building, like I said, it was it was expensive. It's been quite an ordeal just to completely gut it and sort of start over. 
But when we realized it wasn't cost-effective to tear it down and build a new place, you know, mostly due to cost, this was the best way to do it. So At least you had we'll water and with... electricity. I mean, that helped, right? Exactly. And a exactly. foundation. So right. how do you figure out staffing? I mean, you obviously, it can't be 100% volunteer run. You've got to have at least one or two humans, right, who are paid? Right, exactly. We'll have to have a manager and probably a few other kennel hands yes. and, you know, part-time people. And we're lucky that we do have a lot of volunteers out on Long Island that want to help out. Um, but until we have an opening date, it's really difficult to, you know, to hire anybody because right. we're just not quite there yet. But hopefully within the next you know, six months tops, we will be. And what about the size of dogs? Since the place is, now the runs will be quite large because they're just, you know. Right. They'll be much more open. They put skylights in the ceiling. Oh, nice. It's really nice and bright. And like I said, the property is on half an acre. So not only do they have large indoor-outdoor kennels, our goal is, weather permitting, to get every dog outside yes. for, you know, as long as we can every day so that, you know, they have a quality of life that doesn't feel like a shelter kennel environment. And they can play with each other once you figure out who will be friendly with each other. That's always absolutely. A really... ha- we have a huge grassy backyard, and we're going to actually have it divided into three separate big play yards just nice. so we can get more dogs out at one time. And if a dog, you know, may not like his right. fellow boarders, he can have his own space. Nice. And what about the size of the dogs themselves? Are you going from medium to large dogs, or is it irrelevant? Well, we, we take all breeds, all sizes. We do specialize in medical, medically urgent dogs, but I'll be honest, smaller dogs are easier to place and easier yeah, to find fosters for. Yep. So I do think it will be predominantly large breeds that will be there and what about the medical aspect? Do you have vets you're already connected to or in this new location are you going to be seeking out different vets to give you reduced fee care? We do have a few vets out on Long Island. We will probably be looking for a couple more. We have a surgeon. We have emergency vets. Wow. Um, we will be needing a more, you know, uh, day-to-day sort of, you know, regular care, vaccines, Right. Spay and neuter, um, you know, th- those type of things you wouldn't need an emergency vet for. So we will be looking for, you know, some vets out there that are willing to work with rescues I think, and give a discount. I think not only willing to, but sometimes there's, there's a, a movement within the veterinary field of needing the vets emotionally and psychologically need to do something that feels like a give back, that feels like not uh, your average clinic visit at X dollars. So you you might be pleasantly surprised to discover that for quality of life, the veterinarians and the vet techs own quality of life, they're often looking for opportunities to do good and be good. It's, it's an interesting thing that I've learned um, while interviewing people for Not One More Vet and some of these organizations that are very focused on the emotional welfare of veterinarians and the burnout. And it does seem that a lot of the vets that that offer to work with the homeless and their pets in various parts of the country are very gratified by that. So I do think that right. there's it's become something that's really of, of emotional value, personal value to vets to be able to reach out to a rescue dog's rock and be there for not just the dogs, but for the volunteers and the staff who 
everyone sort of wants to pull together for these dogs, especially if you have the ones with the medical needs. There's a, a chain called Heart and Paw, and I'm going to reach out to them. They're opening a, a big new facility in, I want to say, Suffolk. I'm, I'm, I just happened to have interviewed the gal who, who is in charge of their marketing and see if she would like to, you know, they're going to be launching, you're going to be launching. It'd be great to to be able to to make a match like that because if you're... That would be wonderful. If you have these medically needy dogs, that's going to run up to a lot of money and you're going to need really high-quality vets to do it. Right. So Absolutely. how many dogs do you and Stacy each have? Are you good girls and you don't overdo it? Right. Well, we both live in Manhattan, so we, we don't have the space to have tons, but we do both have two currently. Well, okay. So you're holding the line, but you know, I can imagine right. how tempting it must be. Oh my goodness. These dogs arrive on your doorstep, maybe not your personal doorstep, but it's. I think it's good that you're, that you're exercising self-control because it, right. it must be really tempting. Well, I, I'm delighted to have learned about Rescue Dogs Rock, and to all the fosters that you, all the fosters out there working for working and giving to any shelter, or any rescue, my hat is off to you, but particularly to the years of Rescue Dogs Rock fosters, I'm sure you'll still keep some as fosters for dogs that are recuperating Absolutely. from surgeries. But I just want to say, what a great day for all of you to be able to give these dogs a home, a temporary home of their own, while while the people that really want to give them a home or or have a chance to come see them and meet them with their yes, kids yes. and their own dogs. Agreed. It's really great, Jackie. And who knows when you'll be able to take that deep breath and exhale. It probably will right. be for a while. But I salute both you and Stacy for the work that you have done and are doing and for your courage and, and uh, your vision to believe that you can make a whole new rescue right there in Ronkonkoma. So I think yeah. it's exciting for for one and all. And I will say that for next year's Dog Film Festival, it would be great to have Rescue Dogs Rock be our beneficiary on Long Island because... We would love that. Because it's, it would be a lovely match and you obviously have lots of people there and you could even bring some adoptables to the theater. So that would be wonderful. I, I there's fun and exciting things ahead. In the meantime, you all are going to be pouring cement and, and uh, spackling and doing those kind of things, painting. So I wish you well in your endeavors. And I hope that everyone who already knows about you has given all they can. And anyone else should go to Rescue Dogs Rock NYC, see the website, see this great mission and this vision and, and try to be part of it however you can. Thanks so much, Jackie. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human-edible, ethically-sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. 
They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat. <laughs> 